This is Unexpected Beginnings, the neonatal unit. Thanks to funding from Leeds Hospital's charity and the support of Leeds Children's Hospital, we're back with a brand new season. I'm Caroline Verdon. And I'm Kerry McCarthy. And we've both had babies on the neonatal unit, so we've both got first-hand experience of some of the highs and some of the lows. Coming up on this episode... The first year that Charlie came home in 2019, we were admitted 17 times. We hit winter and we stopped making weekend plans. My Charlie broke his arm at school and that was like broken fingernail for me. I was like, yep. Broken yeah. arm, that's fine. Because you just yeah. feel like you've been through so much that what oh, is a yeah. broken bone? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode three. So this month we're talking about lungs, winter and those dreaded bugs that seem to do the rounds. We caught up with Charlotte, whose son Charlie was born at 27 weeks. He was born on the 31st of August and he came home on the 9th of February. Wow. Year. For me, when Fred was born, to all intents and purposes, although it didn't feel like this at the time, it was just small and just needed a little bit of extra time. And and yeah. looking back now, I can I can sort of see that. But obviously with really early babies, there are lots of extra complications. Yeah. Um what what sort of big things did you and Charlie go through? They weren't happy with his breathing. Um and then he'd ended up with neck and so he had started problems with his bowels his oxygen levels was up and down all the time he was on the ventilator for almost 10 weeks so obviously when I held him everything was just full of tubes and everything it was it was awful and you know I think I was frightened a little bit of holding him as well you know in case and like you'll know yourselves pulling tubes out and Everything. Um, but Charlie had a tendency to pull everything out. So he kept pulling his breathing tube out constantly. So that would set everything off. Definitely. Now I want to touch on, you know, when we had Fred and we were in that bubble of living on the unit, I kind of had this milestone. And when he comes home, life will be normal. And I still sort of pictured coming home and things being perfect in this little new baby bubble and actually life was very different for for a whole load of reasons you know anxiety concerns over how he was but even once I'd got over that sort of the trauma from the unit we still found that we were very different to families who had had babies of a similar age a similar time but they weren't on that unit they weren't poorly or they weren't premature and for us, it was a real surprise, given that Fred was, generally speaking, a well kid, how often we ended up back in A&E. Like we hit winter and it became a bit of a joke. We stopped making weekend plans because almost every weekend we'd be in with a different bug. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Charlie, were. The same, he had, um, cause he's, he had chronic lung when he was first born up until probably only, I'd say the last six months that it started to settle. He's still on inhalers now. Um, but the GP sort of just reviewing it and hopefully come next summer we'll be gone with the inhalers. Basically, cause Charlie's lungs didn't develop fully when he was first born. They're quite small and they don't inflate like a normal child's lungs would be fully inflated. 
Charlie always needed that little bit more help. So when he was running around, he would get really out of breath really quickly. Um, any sort of basic cold that uh, any other child would get, Charlie would end up straight on his chest and he would need oxygen more or less most of the time um, and steroids. The first year that Charlie came home in 2019, we was admitted 17 times. Wow. And we was in a couple of days and then they'd send us home. I feel like um, in some ways I've become a little numb to a hospital admission. Um, we we genuinely did and still do have a hospital bag packed and the number of times we've had to phone an ambulance because it's been the middle of the night and out of nowhere, Fred has been perfect during the day, eating, drinking, absolutely fine. Three o'clock in the morning, you hear, oh my goodness, there's that seal noise again. Yeah. And we'd go into his bedroom and he would be struggling to breathe. You could see when you look at his chest, his chest is caving in and it's like, okay, we need, we need to get him to hospital. But the thing that surprises friends of ours when we've had friends to stay when this has happened is they've been like you're so blasé about it oh it's fine we'll be home tomorrow like I'm just taking him casually into A&E because as you can see right now my child's going slightly blue around the edges but um um I know he'll be given steroids and then he'll be fine and he'll be home and sure enough that is what happens for us yeah. you know and, and obviously we're really lucky in that case but it's amazing the number of premature babies and pa parents that you see in hospital who are going yeah. through exactly the same thing oh god yeah i mean it was just when charlie it kept getting it and it's like you won't settle and it's like do i leave him and see his bed a little bit longer they gave him an inhaler that we could use from him being about 16 months um but it just wasn't working and like you say when you see his chest you can just tell you know, that he's struggling with it. And I thought, Do you know what, I'm not waiting any longer. You know, we're going down. I don't know about you, but I found myself um, holding on to a lot of guilt and then also an element of, not again, for goodness sake, because it felt like we were constantly the ones going, oh, I'm sorry, guys, actually, we're going to have to cancel those plans. Um, oh, sorry, you can't come around because uh, you've you've just put on Facebook that you've, uh, you've been sick this week. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to be that person to say, sorry, you're not welcome around my house. I'm sorry. I certainly for so long was worried that <laughs> I was never going to have friends again because eventually they were going to, you know, get sick of me being sick of their sick. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I think when we first came home, um, Charlie had a lot of hospital appointments that he had to go back to hospital for. And visitors, you know, our family, friends wanted to come round and meet Charlie. And because he was so vulnerable and I was a bit like, you know, have you got colds? Have you got colds? Don't want you around. Don't really want your children around. <laughs> I was um, quite strict when he first came home. But just because I didn't want him to be back in, I'd already spent six months with him in hospital and um, I didn't want him to be back. Um, but he came home in the February and we was back within five weeks. Yeah, I mean, Charlie didn't sleep out at anybody's house till he was two and a half because I would not let him out my sight because if something happened, I needed to be there. I was the one that knew exactly what we were going to be doing. You know, even though grandparents would be great and aunties and uncles and 
I'd leave him for a few hours, but I'd make sure I picked him back up. I think it can also be hard for relatives because we've been through this and because we know how quickly something can turn in our children and they're used to rambunctious kids who are hardy and we've just got cough why are you taking them in and actually well it's it's because it's a bit more it's a bit more complicated yeah I think it's just like you feel like you're wasting you know wasting time at the hospital because you know what it is and you know, and you go down and they'll say, look, it just needs some steroids or be absolutely fine. And they're like, well, it's not that simple like it is. I could be a GP the amount of times I've been <laughs> in hospital. I also remember being in hospital with him once and I'd gone into A&E, kids A&E, and there were all these kids and you could just hear the bark of the seal cough like that's all it was like echoing around the room and there must have been about 12 kids in there all small all sort of toddlery baby age um and one by one every kid got given steroids and then an hour later it was just a room full of 12 kids (laughs) high as kites running around and it was like four o'clock in the morning and every parent is like I'm so tired and every child is like I've never been so awake in my life it was the steroids though are just absolutely amazing the change in such a short space of time with steroids but up touch wood um last year we didn't have any admissions whatsoever other than charlie split his head open and fell down flight of stairs (laughs) other than Um, that just yeah yeah. those those things are so easy to deal with my charlie broke his arm at school and that was like a a broken fingernail for me i was like yep broken arm that's fine (laughs) because you just feel like you've been through so much that what is a broken bone (laughs) So true, isn't it? Now, Dr. Liz McKechnie is a consultant neonatologist at Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust. And we spoke to her about babies' lungs and started off by asking about those steroids that pregnant mums who are likely to give birth to a premature baby are often given. If midwives and doctors feel that a woman is at risk of delivering a premature baby, they will offer them a course of steroids, which is two injections, 24 hours apart. And the reason for that is that the steroids help to mature the baby's lungs and get them ready for life in the outside world. All of us produce a substance in our lungs called surfactant, which helps to keep the little air spaces in our lungs open so that every time we breathe out, the air spaces don't collapse down again. They stay open because you've got surfactant. And if you're born prematurely, it takes your body a few days, up to a week, to start producing enough surfactant. And so um, the steroids help to speed that process up. So if a mum has steroids, their baby's lungs are a little bit more ready for the outside world. But it also has some very good side effects of helping to prevent um, a thing called IVH, intraventricular bleeds, which are um, kind of areas of bleeding within the baby's um, brain that can be significant. Most often aren't, but they can be significant. Um, And they also help protect against a gut problem in premature babies called NEC, necrotizing enterocolitis. So they're they're a very good thing for a mum that's about to have a preterm baby to have because it 
it helps mature the lungs, but it also has some really good side effects for the baby. And lungs are obviously one of those those things that lots of newborn premature babies in particular struggle with. Is it just that it's one of the last things to develop? or No, it's because of the way it develops in that your lungs continue to develop until the child's about five years old. So there's a huge, huge amount of growth that goes on and um, they're just immature until a baby is probably or a fetus is about 34 or 35 weeks old and some things can mean that babies that are born later in pregnancy so even 37 38 39 weeks if their mum have got a, has got a condition like diabetes then that can sometimes um, delay a, a baby's lungs maturing so sometimes those more mature babies will need help with their breathing as well and it's interesting that you said, you know, it takes until this around about five years old for the, the lungs to develop. Is this why we see winter time comes around and that's it? The cold gets picked up and before you know it, you're straight into hospital. Um, if a baby is born early and needs support with its breathing, both the prematurity and the support that we have to give the baby in order to help it get through that phase can cause scarring in the lungs and that's why some babies need um, breathing support for a long time in hospital or sometimes even when they go home some babies go home on oxygen and that's why that group of babies tend to get more infections um, and end up in hospital more but the benefit of it is that their lungs are continuing to develop so that really helps them recover from that lung disease of prematurity. And what is the lung disease? Is that the scarring? So there's a condition called respiratory distress syndrome, which is in the first few weeks of life. And that's when a baby is born without enough of this special substance, this surfactant. So if a baby is born early and has trouble breathing, we will often give it a dose of surfactant into the baby's lungs through a, through a tube to help the baby breathe more easily. In some premature babies, that respiratory distress syndrome or RDS will go on to develop into a longer term lung problem called chronic lung disease. Some people call it bronchopulmonary dysplasia, BPD, but certainly in Leeds and most of the UK is chronic lung disease. And what does that look like? Well, the strict definition of it is that the baby is still needing some help with its breathing by 36 weeks gestation. But some babies can need a lot of breathing support, be on a breathing machine and stuff for even several weeks after they should have been born after their due date but it may just mean that a baby has just been on a little bit of oxygen until 36 weeks so there's a huge spectrum with some babies needing a lot of ventilation and breathing support for a long time some babies will go home even on a ventilator sometimes that's very very rare but it does happen and those all of that group of babies may be more prone to having more infections as they grow up, but not always. So I um, 
met up with a little boy the other day who's seven now and he was born at 25 weeks and he had a pretty stormy course and he went home on oxygen and he has never been back in hospital wow and he's seven wow yeah so that's amazing yeah and I think I think it's so interesting how different each individual baby is and how just because x y and z has happened to them doesn't mean they're all going to react to that in this in in the same way or go on to have the same issues or any issues at all later on yeah i think that's really important everybody's different and just nobody's story is the same i think i found that one of the hardest things in those early days i was just desperate to be able to picture what my future would look like. But everyone's story is just so different. Uh, now, that's about all we have time for in this episode. But next month, we'll be back as we talk about twins and multiple births. In the meantime, please click follow and leave us a review. And we'll see you next episode. Unexpected Beginnings, the neonatal unit, is proudly funded by Leeds Hospitals Charity. As the official charity of Leeds Teaching Hospitals, they support NHS staff to deliver the best care for patients and their families. Generous donations have funded life-saving equipment, research, fellowships and improvements to the patient environment. Every penny donated helps to support the hard-working staff across the hospitals and enhance the experience of patients and their families. To find out more, head to leedshospitalscharity.org.uk.